Hey guys, before we get to today's show, I wanted to remind you to follow the SV pod with Scott Van Pelt. On a recent episode, Scott discussed the NBA and NHL playoffs and mixed in some parenting advice as well as some chatter about mulch and the true color of American cheese. You can find the SV pod wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you are looking for world-class soccer, ESPN Plus is where to find it. The best teams, the biggest stars, and over 20 international leagues and tournaments. La Liga, Bundesliga, MLS, FA Cup, Copa del Rey, and more. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. back to the Minicon Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks holding out means mom is feeding you at 4.15 instead of 4. That's Lenny. Truth is, actually, he starts agitating for his dinner at about 3.30. And because we were taping today, it's 3.30, I taped him at 3 so that he wouldn't bother us. Greg Rosenthal, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. I mean, Lenny... You know, and I have had some issues over the episodes I've been on, but I'm I'm willing to start anew with him. Yeah, you know, everyone says that that they've had issues with him, but I don't know what it's like. I, I I'm trying to think. I guess it's like was one of the Oasis brothers a jerk and one nice? I don't know. You know, all iconic duos. There's the reclusive genius artist who's hard to work with, and then there's the pragmatic more business focused one. That's me. Lenny's the, you kind of have to put up with Lenny to get his genius in my opinion, but I'm, I'm glad you came back because um, one, I enjoy having you as a guest very much, very knowledgeable. You should, if you don't already check out the around the NFL podcast, Greg's podcast and NFL network is excellent Two, um, It is the dead of the NFL off season and I need you to lift me in this time of need. No, actually, actually, we have some stuff to talk about um, because of the aforementioned holdouts. Can we call them? Are they really holdouts right now? Guys not showing up? Like, is, I feel like it doesn't rise to the level of holdout. I think if you can be fined money and it's technically mm. mandatory, then mm-hmm. it's technically a holdout. Um, but no, I, I take it as a compliment. You could look at it two ways. Like, you know, one, you know, maybe I'm not making the division preview cup or two, you're like looking at uh, me in like a barn well to fill in these tougher <laughs> weeks, which is it's like the last week before summer vacation right now. before <laughs> summer break. And, uh, you know, I'll take it as a compliment. Podcasting 101. If you want to lure guests, then start immediately by telling them how little there is to talk about. Um, no, there's actually, you know, there's some stuff I'm excited to talk about, particularly with you. And I did come up with a little scheme for today's episode. I feel like, I don't know if it was the last time recorded, but there was, I sprung a scheme on you like mid episode. And I felt like you didn't like that. Um, where I, I made you come up with like a grading system on the spot. And so this time I gave you a few days notice. Uh, the scheme I came up with, I don't want to call it a scheme. The, the structure of the episode I came up with is stock up, stock down, um, and it's a, we're, I might start division previews next week, actually, but ahead of division previews, ahead of sort of like looking ahead to the season, I want to talk about things, people, trends, units, whatever, concepts, ideas, philosophies, ideologies, uh, astrological signs, things in the NFL that might be on the rise or on the decline. And I want, I was originally planning on starting with the positive half first and doing stock up first. But um, 
one of your stock downs, I feel like is new year. So we're going to start with stock down and I'm going to let you go first, Greg. So tell me, pick a stock that you think is going down. Well, it's it's easier to go stock down at this time of year. It's like most of our off-season opinions we've said uh, by now, but not about these mandatory minicamp holdouts because this is new. So my stock down is for um, the summer vacations for the front offices mm. in New England in with Stefan Gilmore, mm-hmm. with, in Miami with Xavier Howard, in Arizona with Chandler Jones, which is the one I really want to talk about. Maybe I'll start there. And, and maybe Seattle. Uh, I'm not sure if we're throwing Seattle in there or not. Jamal Adams has, has a personal issue. You, you can give your opinion on that. What, what, does that one count? No, I, I think it does count. And also um, Dwayne Brown, the left tackle, the stalwart of the Seahawks offensive line, uh, is apparently agitating for a new contract as well. So um, there's... Yeah, I, I think Jamal. I, I think Jamal wants to get paid, um, but let's start with Chandler Jones. Uh, so that's an interesting one. So, so bring us up to date. So he missed he missed minicamp last week, and I was keeping my eye on this because I did hear about it early in the offseason that he was not happy, mm-hmm. and it is very likely a reaction to J.J. Watt signing in Arizona. But it's not one of those things like in Miami where his teammate. Uh, Xavier Howard's teammate Byron Jones like got more money and now Xavier Howard's mad. Uh, JJ Watt's actually not making more money. Chandler Jones's last contract was so good <laughs> uh, that his contract still, you know, he's still making more money than JJ Watt is this year. But I think the fact that they gave JJ Watt, who's older, uh, this good contract when Chandler Jones is on the final year of his contract, uh, got on his radar. Uh, he was someone that was agitating for a new contract pretty early in New England. He has only one year left. And I this is the one of the four holdouts that I think could get the worst and I think is the highest chance of the player not being on the team come September. Just because I don't know where they meet in the middle because I don't think the Cardinals have any interest uh, in giving, giving Chandler Jones more money. Not only is he coming off a major injury, like a, a real deal injury. He yeah. probably had the worst month of his career before that injury. Yeah. I, I think kind of slipped under the radar. Quietly did slip under the radar. Yeah. Cause for so long, Chandler Jones was the, nobody talks about how good this guy is. Oh, did he would fit into that? Um, you and I were talking about like football hipsters, football players. I think these are these John Johnson, which you know what? I was in on John Johnson before the mainstream NFL media check the receipts. But in any case, um, I think Chandler Jones fits in. He's a little bit more famous, but he definitely is was one of those guys forever who, quote, nobody ever talks about how good he was, right? Like he'd quietly get all pros or whatnot and, and sack titles, but um, was not on, in that kind of Von Miller, we're talking about this guy's one of the best pass rushers in the league conversation. And then he actually was not super good <laughs> for in the month, as you said, small sample size before going down with injury, which I think it's entirely possible that he bounces back. The injury works against him. The fact that he's 32, about to turn 32, will be 32 next year. Anyways, maybe he's 31. Sorry to add add years onto your life, Chandler Jones. Um, But yeah, those things would seem to work against him. I would say one thing that works for him um, in my mind is that the Arizona defense really needs the pass rush to be good because the secondary is a problem. Um, and this is a team that I, I believe harbors aspirations of winning now and competing now. 
Um, but I, I think without a viable, a, a, a very good pass rush, I think the defense is going to struggle in a big way. Right. And in all of these scenarios, there's a way to do it where you maybe tack on a little guaranteed money up front or give a guy a little bit of a raise and that gets it done. Uh, I just, in this particular example, it seems like, I don't know if there's bad blood or there's anything going on behind the scenes of between Jones and the organization, but I think it could become a bigger story. In all of these cases, it's a little bit of a test of the new CBA rules against training camp holdouts, which are severe and which appeared initially uh, to maybe just end training camp holdouts. (laughs) But we don't have a huge sample size on that uh, because I think it was what one year and then then the pandemic. I I just don't know where this would be going. And it wouldn't totally shock me to see Chandler Jones get dealt in a like a blockbuster move. Mm. People in Arizona will probably see that's like We'll we'll disagree with that. The Cardinals are not going to want to be feeling that. But it does feel like there's a little more bad blood here, closer to like an Aaron Rodgers, not that you want to speak that name uh, into this podcast, uh, than, than the other four. I'm just tired, guys, of talking about Aaron Rodgers on television. That's, that's what Greg means. Um, yeah, yeah, this has all the factors of like the, oh, I don't know what's going to give holdout, right? You get a team that needs him then you've got a player who's aging and coming off of an injury and who probably sees this as his last opportunity to get a deal. So it's a, uh, yeah, tricky dynamic. Um, Gilmore, on the other hand, Stefan Gilmore in New England, you think that they'll get something done with them. I, you told me that via text, unless I'm mistaken. Um, no, this, yeah, you're right. Cause I don't, I don't misrepresent talks about it, right? Yeah. Cause of the way Belichick talks about him. Don't you think publicly? Well, so this is right. Like, so historically, um, this is a, very much a cliche, but you know, Bill Belichick's not going to pay and slightly aging player, superstar, big money the year before they decline, whatever. Gilmore's coming off of a down year. Um, but this is not a team that is particularly cash strapped, although, you know, maybe they didn't have to give all the money to tight ends. Um, and it's a team that, despite all of the depth at, corner has questions I would say outside other than JC Jackson who I who also fits into that NFL players who people are like no one talks about JC Jackson he's very good but he's not peak Stefan Gilmore Jonathan Jones plays inside after that Greg I mean um one of the McCordy's is gone uh they did sign Jalen Mills like what if, if Stefan Gilmore wasn't on the Patriots who would be starting opposite JC Jackson would it be Mills It'd be Jalen Mills, yeah. I think that's who's doing it at, at minicamp. I, I just don't think Belichick would entertain any situation where Stefan Gilmore is not on his team. He's just like one of those guys that he makes exceptions for. He kind of covered up the fact Gilmore wasn't going to be there and made some weird like mm. allusion to weather issues for the first day <laughs> of minicamp. And in the, when the reporters were like, We've already reported Gilmore is not coming. Can you just like let us know? Uh, and then the next day, you know, it was confirmed he's not there. Uh, they gave him more money going into last year. Yeah. They had a very similar situation and they just gave him more money, which they never do. The only other person they ever do, did that with, with was Wes Welker. And just the way he talks about Gilmore and the way that they're very much trying to win this year. Uh, I think they'll just 
figure out a way to keep him. And it's probably just giving him more money. And Devin McCourty uh, was on the record today saying, like, I talk with Stefan Gilmore. He's still part of this team. Like, we expect him back, which to me was very much him sending out the word that, like, Gilmore is expecting to come in and it's all part of a negotiation. I enjoy your Bill Belichick tone reading. Um as a Patriots fan, it, it definitely is the sort of institutional knowledge that comes from fandom. No, it's like when Pete Carroll is talking about injuries and says, uh, you know, it's a little ankle thingy and Seahawks fans are like, no, 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 no. Because we know when he says thingy or gets kind of weirdly folksy and vague, a player is <laughs> basically on death's door. So um, I respect I respect your expertise here, Greg. Um, okay, well, so that's Stephon Gilmore, who unfortunately for Jalen Ramsey, I do not believe is going to be an LA Ram. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, though, he's recruiting everyone, he, he tweeted today, which I truly enjoy. Um, and, you know, he's not wrong, given the team he plays for. They're, they probably are, uh, considering every option. So that's another one. Um, let's move to Seattle, if that's okay with you. Or, you know, let's go down to Miami. We're moving across the country, kind of zigzagging. Um Xavier Howard, what's the latest on him? He he's skipping mini camp because he wants uh, a new contract. He has a new agent, Ooh. but man, it, it, and Byron Jones, you know, makes you know more than him now that he's you know into the. I think it's only the second year of an extension that Howard signed in 2019. But this one's tricky. I mean, in, in Flores said today that it was a unique situation and i think you know people took that to mean he, the contract's not up till 2024 so that's unique but but it's also unique that he um missed most of the first year of this contract uh with an injury that was 2019 he was a first team all pro and i think got a vote for defensive player of the year last year so that is a huge whiplash but the bigger thing is that he had a domestic violence um, arrest and the charges were dropped and he wasn't suspended, but how can that not play into a potential long-term contract, especially when a guy has four years left on his deal. So to me, that, that is a very complicated and tricky one to play out in a tough, tough spot for the Dolphins front office. Yeah. I think for all the reasons you said, this would be, I, I often hate saying this as it pertains to front offices, but I think it's true a lot of the times. I think this would be like really bad precedent for them to give in in any way. Um, and I also, I don't think Xavier Howard is going to hold out into the NFL season, which is the other, I mean, we're, we're talking about whole, mini holdouts now, you know, and giving up, what is it like a hundred thousand dollars or something a day for veterans at camp or, or skipping mini camp or something like that. Maybe that's just Rogers. I don't know what they, they, what the norms are in terms of fines. But once you start getting into the year and give, you're giving up the big checks, um, very few players actually take it that far. I can't. I can't imagine he would. Um, so Adams, I, I can't either. But I also, I don't know. Like when yeah. this, this, this is like the problem when you have like successful years. And I think, I think the arrest is a huge, is a huge factor. Like I was shocked. My old boss, Florio, like wrote about the whole thing and didn't, didn't mention the domestic violence arrest, which like seems to me like a, a major part of, part of the story um, that, that shouldn't be ignored. And I, I don't think it would be by Miami. And so that is like the basis of their team is a great secondary. And so I, yeah, you're right. I, I would expect them to be back with the team, but it's a, it's a tricky story. Yeah. It's um, I, 
Hope you're right that it wouldn't be ignored by the team. I tend to not suspect that when it comes to NFL organizations. Um, but it should not be ignored by us. So Jamal Adams, uh, as you said, he, there, he, it was an excused absence, but he does, one thinks he does want a new contract and he also has a ton of leverage insofar as um, Seattle traded away a boatload of picks for a player who was inevitably going to be in this situation. He's also coming off of shoulder surgery, I think it was. Um, you know, injuries, an injury-ridden season where he couldn't really play the way he wanted to. Uh, I think this is probably going to come in somewhere in the 17 to 20 range, um, which is a lot for the production they got out of him. But the hope Ooh. for Seattle is – now, honestly, the hope is that you'll get better coverage from him, a, a fully healthy Jamal Adams next season. Um, I just don't think Seattle really has a choice with this one because of the position they put themselves in, which was ill-advised. Ooh, so that that's where you're at as a Seahawks fan. You're not loving the Jamal Adams experience in terms of what you got, love, you know, in terms of what you player. gave up. And yeah, I, I think he's now become underrated as a player. Like I, people are talking about him like, you know, oh, he bucks, he's a linebacker or whatever. I don't think that's true. Um, I think he's incredibly. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's like a tone setter on defense. Um, just, you know, the physicality he brings to that unit. Um, the ability to use him as sort of a, uh, just a, a jack, what am I even looking for words wise? I don't know. I'm leaning really hard into football cliches. I had tone setter and was reaching jack for another trade. one. That worked. Yeah, but he's not Movable really a jack of all Yeah, that's not what I was going for either. Swiss Army knife, baby. But he's not, he really isn't that kind of player. In any case, I think he's a good football player and people are talking about him like, you know, he's Lenny's poop. And I think that's. Absolutely. Wow. I just don't think well, that. Yeah, this is would, some would, Seahawks would... Twitter stuff. You're yeah, too right. deep into Seahawks Twitter. The problem is you you guys, you, you because of people like you, you know, <laughs> you guys have, you've almost taught them to be so skeptical of what like this trade was uh, mm. and, and right. And maybe his limitations that no, I think nationally everyone sees that the sacks that he got and the fact that their defense got better, you know, in the second half of the season and the big plays that he's making and everyone still thinks he's Jamal Adams. I think the Jets fans are puffing their chest out a little like extra of like, Hey, this isn't working out too bad for us. So that plays into it too. Um, but it's like you, you, they use their Jamal yeah, Adams picks, you know, to move up for a guard. So I'm not yeah, going too crazy on that. Let's and see how either, that all you have out. to give them the contract. You have to give them the contract though. It is part of the whole Rams and or chiefs strategy that they did with Orlando Brown or the Rams pretty much do every year. That's like, you have to give the, the contract when you trade the picks. So right. it's just part of the deal. It just has I, to happen. I, I would just rather have Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. to, to the point of the Rams, but um, okay. Uh, and then, you know, Dwayne Brown, I said, I, he, he's 32. Um, he's been awesome. I might be a little bit affected by like Andrew Whitworth playing into his, you know, sixties or whatever, but um, Brown's just not, his play has not tailed off at all. Greg, like he's been consistently awesome. Every, like a, as much crap as people give that front office, that trade totally worked out for them uh, trading for that with the Texans for Dwayne Brown. And I, I think um, it would be good to give him an extension so that he can, I, I would say, finish his career in Seattle because he is by far the best player on that line. 
their oh their big swing trades have mostly worked, and I'm including Percy Harvin with that. Remembering mm. that return mm. I saw live in the Super Bowl. Come on, can't pay for that kind of moment. Never forget. Okay, the price on that. I'm gonna do a stock down myself. Uh, I'm, this is a little spicy. A little spice. Well, uh, you know, Dan Orlovsky might choke a little bit eating this one. Um, but I was trying to do non-obvious ones. So this is actually corrective stock down because I, I went on, speaking of Dan Orlovsky, NFL Live, I want to say last week. And I was talking about Jordan Love and the situation he'd be walking into if he's not going to happen. But if he was the starting quarterback week one for the Green Bay Packers. And I said, mm. it's actually, you know, a good situation. Good play caller, best wide receiver, top three running back. Um, you know, good tight end. And I said, and you've got this, you know, one of the top offensive lines in the league. And then I, you know, turned off my phone for the day and took Lenny for a walk and forgot about it. Then I went back and thought, you know what? I, I didn't lose Corey Lindsley. So I, so I went back to look at the line and I, it was kind of like, you know, the infamous Fresh Prince moment where Will Smith walks into the empty house. Um, mm-hmm. It's a gif on the internet. I, so I'm that, well aware. It was, you know, Fresh Prince is right in my you know you didn't, like make a, a firm, affirmative yeah. sound when I said it. it's fine. So I, I I kind of feel like it's approaching that ter- ter- territory with Green Bay, and this happens quickly with offensive lines. You know, Cincinnati, all of a sudden Pittsburgh, who I may or may not be talking about at some point. So just looking at the depth chart right now. Bakhtiari is coming back from tearing his ACL in week 17 or ahead of week 17. So that's recent. So I don't know for sure how he's going to look at the beginning of the year. Obviously, when he's healthy, he is one of, if not the best left tackles in football. Uh, And then at center, it's really a question mark. So I think Billy Turner, who filled in after Bakhtiari, is going to play on the right side. But in the interior, it's a lot of question marks. So Corey Lindsley's gone Elton, it's Elton, right? He's got that G in there, and I always get nervous saying his name. Is it Elkton? Yeah, I, El, Elkton? I don't know. If you Just say Elton, Elkton, okay. It's quite a name. But So he's awesome. Uh, awesome, awesome at guard. I, you know, he can play center, and I think there, that there is some thinking that that might be the case, which, sure. But then it's like, okay, you got... John Runyon. Uh, so Lucas Patrick uh, did play right guard last year. He was okay. They drafted Josh Myers out of Ohio State. Just a lot of just question marks, you know? And, and all of a sudden, an offensive line that I think was top three in football the last few years, suddenly I'm not so sure if I would even put them in the top five or ten. Is that too spicy? I, I looked at PFF, and they put it uh... – they put him average because they just did enough. How can they? Line how can they, they grade him? Oh, it's I mean, like they're they're just they're just saying like looking at who the players that they have now entering twenty twenty one, just making like a ranking basically, and they okay. put him in the middle, which I think is a little too low because I do think with lines more than any other part of the team, you have to look at you know the coaching and and less about the players, I mean, you know how they work as a unit, and and some yeah. most of these players have played together. Um, Josh Myers is probably the starting center. Um, they weren't that interested in bringing back Lindsley, which was surprising to me. Uh, but it, it did make me wonder sometimes that happens with centers who get a lot of PFF love and they, they move on like Matt Paradis and it doesn't work out too well in the new place. Uh, the fact that they were such a good line last year and coached it up so well, um, gives me a little bit of 
confidence if I was a Packers fan, but you're right. There's a lot of question marks. There's no reason to expect them to be a top five group. And Bakhtiari is the key to it. And you can't assume that he's going to be a hundred percent for week one, or even the same guy in the first half of the season. I think that's what concerns me because again, like once you took Bakhtiari out, it was like the Jenga piece, right? It all comes crumbling down. Um, Now Jenkins is Bakhtiari and Jenkins are like two of the best offensive linemen in the league. But so if Bakhtiari is healthy, I think two out of five, you know, again, Turner's fine. I, I'm just saying, and I, he's probably also, you know, more comfortable on the right side. He is more comfortable on the right side. But, you know, it's just suddenly I'm like John, John Runyon, Lucas Patrick, you know, it's just different names. That's all. All right, let's do a stock up because I feel this is too negative to start. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a bummer to start with like a bunch of holdouts and everything. Um, let's go. Easy. Yeah, well, it was newsy. I, let's go stock up and talk about the Broncos. Yeah, I, we've probably talked about the Broncos too much this offseason, <laughs> or at least I have. I heard you and Dominique talking about them as a top five uh, or top three. Three. Defense, and I'm, total, <laughs> I'm totally with you. I mean, I, I would say defenses are impossible to predict. On paper, I think they have an argument for number one on paper. I mean, it's why not? No. Uh But here's the second part of my argument. And who's going up? It's the Broncos front office. I think it's the Broncos fans in terms of like what the ceiling should be for this team. This is a a fan base that always gets too excited. And yet they don't seem that excited right now about this team. I feel like this has like an 11 or 12 win ceiling because not only do they have the defense who I think on paper and their coach is top three or five. They have a top five group of weapons. At okay. least top eight in terms of running back, wide receiver, tight end. Put those all together. You got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Love that tandem. Mm-hmm. You have Cortland Sutton coming back. Hopefully he's all the way back. But if he is, he's a top 10 receiver. And you have Jerry Judy, who I think is going to be awesome. Uh, Tim Patrick and Hamler as a as a great number four. And then, oh, by the way, you have maybe the most explosive tight end in the league and Noah fan. And oh, by the way, you have the most explosive Backup tight end in the league in Alberto Oboe Kunum, who I loved last year. He got hurt and he's coming back from the, the, major the Missouri. Guy? That's like a that's like a lot of players. That's wait, a lot wait, of players. The, Alberto, the Missouri guy, Alberto, the they're they're drafting him for Drew Lock because they, they uh, he, <laughs> but he looked good. He I, I really like no, 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 no. It's just yeah. the level of enthusiasm. I mean, wow. Um, I said, oh no, because I thought you were going to say Teddy, and uh, I, I, no, I, yeah, I. Stopping and then okay, how far can you go with like an average offensive line and a you know average at best quarterback situation at best? That's it. Um, I think there's a lack of enthusiasm amongst Broncos fans because it, well, I know why it's the quarterback situation and the fact that they could have had Justin Fields right and the front office decided to draft Patrick Chapin second, who's probably going to be great, and that secondary is probably going to be awesome, but. It's hard to get excited about Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, even if Teddy Bridgewater can give you competent quarterback play and that coupled with skill players and that who are very good, as I agree, and a very good defense, you can win games, but no one's going to believe that you're you're trending in the right direction. You know what I mean? Um, just explain the excitement level. I agree with you about Denver. I think this is an extremely good roster. Um, made my position on the defense very clear. I, you know, I might be a little bit over, like three was optimistic, but I also think Vic Fangio's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. I I think at every level, they've got either top tier talent or close to it. Um, and 
shoot, I mean, secondaries could be could be the best, no question. The safeties and if Sertan is holds down his side with Fuller and Darby and Callahan, that is an insane group. Um, somebody posed this question to me, and I just kind of want to get your answer because I did a whole yesterday. I talked about Teddy. Today I defended Derek Carr. How many games do you think this team would win with Daniel really playing the hits? How, how many games do you think this team would win with Derek Carr? Like the over under, I might go eleven. You yeah. know, but I and I think that's kind of the ceiling with Teddy. Um, you know, you mentioned to me how the the numbers are pretty solid with with Teddy um, last year. Like if you watched every snap, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like you can get excited about a Teddy Bridgewater, Pat Shermer combo behind, uh, you know, a, an average offensive line. Reunion. Um, but, but Teddy, yeah, Teddy was with Shermer before, which I think is nice. And um, like, if you, if you do look at the numbers, the QBR, the completion percentage over expected, which you point out to me, we're, we're very middle of the pack. Like he looked like an, he still looks like an NFL quarterback. Uh, to me, he really struggled at the end of games and in two minute situations last year. And obviously right. that, that like has to turn around, but I still think they have an 11 win type ceiling. And you said like, it's hard to see them going in the right direction when this is their quarterback situation. Like, yeah, but they haven't made the playoffs um, since they won the Super Bowl, And yeah, but they haven't had a winning season since Gary Kubiak was the coach 2016. So if, if I'm a Broncos fan and you can tell me they're going to win 10 or 11 games and maybe win a playoff uh, game and you're in the best position of any team in the NFL to go get Aaron Rodgers or possibly Deshaun Watson next year, that feels like the right direction. Mm. Mm. Um, you're not buying what I'm selling. No, no, the Watson thing kind of killed my Broncos buzz. Um, I think that fans just want a team they believe that can win the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. And that, you know, it's kind of, you know, you're talking about it. Here's a the newsflash. 31 of you are going to be disappointed <laughs> this year then. Have, like, enjoy enjoy the process. There's some there's some fun guys love, on this team. I love how you, That's all I'm saying. You have, um, you have Teddy splits by, like, Red zone, game situation, two minute drills, different weather, different stadiums. You are ready. He got to put, he's got to hire you. Like, you know how Scott Boris puts together those binders for agents when he's negotiating deals, those infamous like <laughs> thousand page binders. Teddy Bridgewater's got to hire you to defend his honor. Um, no, I'm with you on the Well, well here's I've, what I wouldn't do I wouldn't put any fourth quarter or red zone or uh, like, you know, uh, well, you didn't practice those in Carolina, right? Yeah. Did they not, didn't, wasn't that the big, uh, that, that was the thing that was, he was, it, it was a direct shot. It was a direct fire, even though he yes. said it, uh, in a greater context, yes. but yeah, I think it, it was so disappointing to see what happened, but he really did stumble into like an incredible situation. Assuming he wins the starting it tr- job. Truly is truly is. And he might not win the starting job at first. I could see a thing where Drew Locke outplays him in camp and, then, you know, after his first, like, four-interception game, Teddy gets to take over. Um, okay, stock up. Going Giants secondary. I said the, the Broncos got the best secondary in the NFL, but I think the Giants secondary could be top five. I do. So um, this is a Giants defense that improved a great deal last year. Went from 28th in DVOA in 2019 to, 20, or to, to 19th under new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Um 22nd versus the pass, 15th against the run last year. I think they're going to improve against the pass this season with some additions and then some guys coming back from injury. 
Uh, Xavier McKinney, the safety they drafted Alabama, was hurt most of the season, will play a full year, and hopefully I think that's going to help Jabril Peppers, who, by the way, you know, has been better than anyone expected. But it struggles every now and then in coverage. They also added Logan Ryan, took him a little bit of time to come on. He was a later addition, ended up being very good for them. Um, they signed Dory Jackson, who was banged up last year, but before that had a couple of really nice campaigns. Uh, and then, of course, James Bradbury, who was like one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks. He, no, I keep in the if not thing. He was not the best quarterback, but he was a very good quarterback in football last year. So all told, this is a very, very nice group. Um, notice I said secondary and not pass defense because I'm still very concerned about their ability to rush the passer. Uh, you know, they've got... Uh, they paid Leonard Williams a ton of money. They've got Lawrence, uh, and they drafted Aziz Ujolari, but from the edge, so question mark. But I think this group of DBs is very nice, and they fit well with with Patrick Graham. Yes. I mean, I would not put him on on Fangio's level, but I think some of the things they do, and that's where the NFL is going in terms of being able to match up against any type of receiver, any type of offense, and different having all these different flavors and flexibilities at cornerback and safety where they, they sort of merge is what Graham does really well. And he, he was awesome last year. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't quite put him on Fangio's level yet, but it's, it's similar. I think Adoree Jackson is kind of the key. Adoree Jackson to me is kind of the living embodiment of, you know, the axiom that cornerback play is very streaky. It's very hard to rely on year after year. There are so few cornerbacks who are truly great year after year, but when Odori Jackson is good, he is an incredible cover man. Like as long as you're not asking him to do uh, what he's not, uh, you know, as good at doing like getting physical and, and bumping and everything like he, he can be a top 10 type of cornerback, but he also is like extremely streaky and seems to either get really down or really up depending on like what section of the season it is. Yeah, I, I think your point about Graham is really good and all the movable pieces he has. I mean, this is a very zone-heavy scheme, which, um, you know, I think some of their additions, it's going to favor them. They also drafted, by the way, uh, the, the kid out of UFC, UCF pardon me, to play in the slot, Aaron Robinson. Uh, and then they have Darnay Holmes, so we'll see. And, and Julian Love is there, too. So they, they got all these players, and they're going to see how they fit together. But I, um, I feel like I misused the word Swiss Army knife earlier. Uh, Jabril Peppers, that's, that's who you want him to be in this defense. And I think with all of these players, they can use him that way. Um, Patrick Graham can deploy him that way. So yeah, I, I'm very high. If they went from 28 to 19 last year, I think they have the potential to crack the top 10 this year. So, mm. and they can yeah. be fun to watch. Like they, you know, I know the giants haven't been the worst franchise in the NFL for the last decade, but they're pretty close in terms of like how long it's been fun to watch them. I would I would go back to like the 2011 postseason when Eli Manning mm -hmm. is just making these like impossible throws. Like that was the last time they were fun to watch. And this is an offense and a defense. I think that could be fun to watch. Let's do two more stock downs before the break so that we can end on more stock ups. All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to go just like a stock down in my heart right now because I don't <laughs> know if this has been talked about uh, a lot this off season, which is the Ravens defense. Ooh. I'm not like. I okay. I, I okay. I have three. I have three reasons. I even wrote them down. I'm nervous I'm about this. Excited. All right. Pulling up. The um, okay. The last the last couple years, basically since Zadarius Smith left, it's like okay. Did they did they 
help themselves enough, like helping out their pastors. You can even go back to like a Dalius Thomas. You were probably, you know, in high school at that point or Pernell McPhee at one point left and come back. They like always let their pass rushers go. And every offseason you think like, I don't know, they don't seem like they have a pass rush anymore, but I feel like they've reached critical mass. Ma- Matthew Judon was their best pass rusher, even if he's not like a top 10 pass rusher. And they were 14th in sacks last year, 25th in PFF's pass rush rankings in general. And right now they are counting on McPhee on his like second tenure to play some snaps. They're counting on mm. um, Odafe uh, Owe to, yeah. to, to help them out. And who knows? He seems kind of like a boomer bust guy. And they've traditionally brought their guys along very slowly. And Tyus Bowser, that is their top three pass rushers. That's number one in my in my case. That's a problem. I agree. I, I cited this when Foxworth was, I think, had them in the top five. And I had them like nine or eight or something. Um Precisely because I was concerned about the pass rush. I Oa is a really was a really fun prospect, but he was like really raw. And if he the case for you to kind of keep this going, like with the very blitz heavy Don Martindale scheme, is that you know he, he can fill right in for Judon. I t- touchy touchy case there. Um, as much as like Jay- Matthew. Jalen Ferguson never really developed or hasn't. He's still on the roster. I don't know if he's going to make the team, but like, that's kind of like, they don't like, you can't just count on that. They're the Ravens that they're always going to develop these guys. They really haven't lately. They do have the three big guys up front. Wolf, Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell that in theory makes everyone look better. And they always manage to figure it out by the end of the season. So whenever you doubt them, you're usually wrong by like late December. Well, yeah, I'm wary of that. I feel like Judon, too, in particular. They also had Unique Ngakwe, of course, for some of the last season, but I don't think he ever really kind of broke out the way they were hoping he would or benefited from the scheme as much as Judon did. And, like, with Judon, I think you could argue, okay, well, he had too many unblocked pressures and benefited too much from all the blitzing to truly be a great pass rusher. And that's a totally viable case, but he was still, like, a really freaky good player and, like, incredibly bendy, athletic, polished you know, again, you're asking a lot out of these guys to come in and, and fill his shoes. I think one potential upside for the Ravens would be that Patrick Queen, who quietly struggled last year, takes leap forward um, in playing inside at linebacker and helps them that way. And I think the secondary should still be good. So I'm still I, – I still think the Ravens are a really good defense. I just don't – like I said, I had them dropping as well in my rankings. So that that's that's like two and three on the list in theory. Is that Queen? Yeah, in theory, he's going to improve a lot, but he's starting from a pretty low starting point. <laughs> like yeah. he was a problem. He he was target. I know their defense played well in the postseason, but he was the weakest link in oh the postseason. God. And yeah. and and the Bills were targeting him. The Titans were targeting him. Basically, everyone was targeting him. And I think it's really hard to play linebacker right now, like as a young player in the league you they used to just like come in and rack up tackles and now you have to like survive in coverage and it just people saw that out of queen it was not happening for him so yeah maybe he improves or or maybe not we you know it might take a little while and the secondary on paper it does look good but i would say the two of their three starters i have some issues with Tavon young who they still have kind of slotted in as their their slot corner hasn't been able to stay healthy at all and then marcus peters has been great in baltimore but he's He's always been a guy who like the shine wears off the longer he's with the team. So that's just it's just on my on my wow. Mind. That was 
ominous. I mean, isn't that true? It's a factual statement. He's been on three teams. He's been on three teams, and it, they've all started out great. And there's sort of been this like Tio-ish factor where, like, wow. not 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 personally, but more like the level of play as as that changed. was um, that was like a quote worthy of an anonymous executive comment in like a Peter King column or something. The, sh- the shine wears the shade wears soft. The shine wears off. Um, the shine wears off. It was shade. Okay, uh, one more stock down. Just, uh, this is I. This one's a little bit of a gimme, but whatever. I want it to be quick. Um, it, it actually kind of jumped out to me because Matt Canada was interviewed uh, yesterday at camp, and I think so. Earlier, Ben Roethlisberger had said the offense is going to look totally different, and everyone was like, "Oh, really? You're going to be like under center? Like, what's going on here?" You know. And Matt Canada came out and kind of poured cold water on that and said, "Yeah, it's Ben's offense," which you know feels a little bit like managing of Ben, but. I am, as people know, not optimistic about this offense. I'm not optimistic about that pairing in particular. Could be wrong. Um, but this is a team that, you know, went 12-4 and four last year, won their division, uh, had the second easiest schedule in football, it turned out. And going forward, I was just working off of Warren Sharp's uh, schedule analysis, which is not based on last year's records, Um the Steelers have one of the hardest schedules in the league, which is intuitive because they're in a very difficult division. Um, I am just not, I, I just have not stock down is the Steelers record, by the way, I, I was kind of dancing around that, but if I had to pick one team where I think really takes a leap back, um, I was kind of, I am the Titans as well, but the Julio signings thrown me for a loop. So I'm rethinking that division Steelers. I'm just not feeling great about them. I think that, you know what? I don't think the Bud Dupree loss is going to kill the defense, but I just don't see a path for this offense to look better than they did in the second half of the season last year. Ooh, well, that's if they don't look better, the offense in the second half of the season, then they're like a six and 11 team. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think they're going to look better? <laughs> which, which what, would what be is, rough. I, I, think, I think they do have a path. I do. I do think they have a path. Part of it is also like we've, we talk about football so much in the off season that by the end of the off season, you start um, like arguing with your takes from the beginning of the off season. And so I've, I've now like, I started with you on the Steelers. Yes. They're, they're obviously the third uh, team in that division in terms of the most talent. Like that's where I would predict them, but I definitely think there's a case for them to do better than that. And, and, to have a winning record or to go to the playoffs or to, or to win the division. A Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record like that. That counts to me. Um, the weapons around Roethlisberger are still great. Like they're still, you know, assuming Najee Harris comes in and is a good running back. Like that's a great wide receiver crew and running back crew. Um, the offensive line looks rough on paper. I'm putting a little bit into their self-scouting that they know all these guys that 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 over time and, and granted part of it is they drafted Kendrick Green, a third round pick. And who knows? But over time, they get a little bit of a benefit of the doubt of like knowing that these guys, what they can do, what they can't do. And they still are really talented in defense. I mean, they were the number one defense mm-hmm. on DVOA that I would I would imagine that takes a step back. But. To me, if Roethlisberger is passable, it's like you can easily see ten or eleven wins out of this team. No, whoa! By the way, you just did the that's thing. crazy. You just did the thing to me that you said that I did for the Ravens in terms of like the hope and maybe precedent. And okay, Juju, uh, Juju, great at what he does. Deontay Johnson, love him. Chase Claypool could be a number one. 
Washington, what a great four. Like oh, Ebron, wait. Were, really were underrated guys, last year. I, I am, were these guys not on the team in the second half of last season? I'm sorry. I I must have messed up. That's my bad. That's my bad. I didn't know they I don't got like, so much like better. being a Steelers defender here. Um, but there, there's there is a case to be made that like Roethlisberger and Canada figure it out together. That that's all. There is a case. I, that, I think, and I think that's that is the entire case, frankly. Well, the, the two thing the two things that have to go right are the offensive line needs to be better than we think, which you know they love James Dotson, God or uh, Kevin Dotson, goodness. Um, Steelers fans. The guys they lost were not playing Love well him. at all. Like they were part T- totally of totally fair. So that part of it, I'm not. I'm not worried T- about. Totally fair. Much. Yeah, totally fair. And you know they, they they've got new blood on the offensive line, um, new coaching. So there's hope that in the post Mike Munchagera, this will be a fix. And if that happens, I, I mean, to me, the the best possible case for this team is that the offensive line is better because then Harris can get going. Ben doesn't have to get rid of the ball in a nanosecond. Um, some of that is on him, but anyways, I get that's the case for it. Okay. Um, this is, feels like it's getting a little aggressive. So let's take a break and get back to some stock ups. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We're back. And we're going positive again. Greg, stock up. Well, I don't want to be too aggressive now. I'm, I'm like, but aggressive, aggressively positive is different. Okay, let's let's do the one that you gave to me. Really, um, first it's like take. a little peek behind the. It's the Vikings defense um, <laughs> stock up. Okay, and um, just like a little peek behind the curtain, like you were on vacation last week, right, Mina? <laughs> Yes, I was. Right. But you were just not a person that seems like comfortable on vacation. So I was like at this like Lego exhibit with my kids on Sunday. 
Um, and I'm getting texts like about, you know, planning this, this podcast out and you're going crazy about all these different things. And you suggested the Vikings defense and it was like a great suggestion. And somehow that was before, uh, Danelle Hunter, uh, came to an agreement on a deal that he will definitely be back. And before they signed Sheldon Richardson, and I, I thought it was a really good idea just thinking about their offseason in general and Mike Zimmer's history. And then I really looked like deeper into it afterwards. And I'm I'm totally on board with this. There is there is a path for them to go from significantly below average. And the biggest problem of that team was on defense uh, to like a, another Mike Zimmer top 10 defense. Who were their rankings in DVOA, by the way, uh, before last year? Fourth, third, first, 14th, and seventh. So yeah. I'm giving a little institutional credit to Mike Zimmer. Yeah. And I think when you go through the personnel and we can, um, I think there's a pretty strong case to make that they should be very improved this year. Mm. Well, first stock down my work-life balance uh, as made obvious by that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I definitely am betting on a bounce back year for the Vikings defense, even if I was before the signings, because I think Mike Zimmer would probably walk into the ocean before watching that defense again, like the palpable disgust in his voice <laughs> talking about him uh, last season was really remarkable. But, you know, the, this defensive line went from being a massive liability last year to suddenly looking pretty stacked. You've got Michael Pierce, who's back, opted out. Dalvin Tomlinson, they sign, and then Sheldon Richardson. Um, linebacker still strength. You know, the secondary was a real problem, but it was very young last season and and last year the whole case for the Vikings was like well the secondary is young but the pass rush will be fine and then Daniel Hunter got hurt and and Pierce opted out so um this year you've got Harrison Smith Xavier Woods is playing safety as well they signed Patrick Peterson who I think might have a bit of a bounce back campaign under Zimmer uh and then Cam Dantzler the rookie Nickel corner looked good at times. They signed Bashad Breland. Uh, Jeff Gladney, who was their first round draft pick last year, was involved. He, w- I believe, was charged with domestic violence. And so that's still pending, you know, whether or not he's going to be suspended. But um, they've got some reasonable depth back there. And I think just across the board, they've, they've got enough guys to where this unit as a whole can look a lot better. Yeah, I, I think you hit it with the whether it's a three, four look or just like less defensive line, uh, down lineman, and you could stand up Hunter, you can stand up bar and they, they do on the outside sometimes like that, that can work. I mean, Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks are still there. Uh, Hunter, when he's at his best is, is incredible. We haven't seen Pierce in a Vikings uniform. He opted out last year. And then, you know, it's Tom, like Tomlinson and Sheldon, like Sheldon Richardson gets it done. Like he is a perfect one year veteran who can take, take snaps up and i've always liked xavier woods who who came from like dallas so i think that's a good safety totally combo. decent player totally decent player yeah and that spot next to harrison smith has like uh, the the players who are there always outperform what you expect um so to me that's probably having something to do with mike zimmer and harrison smith uh they they kind of take guys from anywhere um like uh who am i forget anthony harris and 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 I'm forgetting who it was before that, but they always end up looking good at safety. And the thing with the cornerbacks there, there's a lot of like ifs there, but they have numbers. Dantzler looked good for a rookie. Very good. Gladney yeah. struggled. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Bashad Breland is exactly the type of like signing that no one cares about. And then he's playing well in the Super Bowl and started like a lot of 
um, big time wow. games in the last few years. What? So you know, just Greg Howard has the Vikings go to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think Jeff Batty's going to play. By the way, I just refreshed my memory on this. This is a really, really terrible case, and it was kind of really, it was undercovered. So, anyways, that just want to put it, put it in that. Um, he was charged, arrested, and charged. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm upbeat about the Vikings. Otherwise, so I, I think and they have very, they have they took out. eight. They took eight rookies in the first four rounds. That's like a that's a lot. So I, so you and none and most of them are the higher ones are on offense. But four of yeah. the eight were in the first four rounds, and half of them are on defense. They were third and fourth rounders. So it's like I'm not gonna come out with a, a hot take on you know Janarius Robinson or or Chaz Surratt, which is a terrific name, Chaz. Ch- Chaz Surratt. Who knows? Sage, like, Sage Surratt's get, brother. I like the idea that you have like all of these rookies and a, a couple of them should, he's got, should hit. He's decent. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I like the Vikings. Okay. Stock up for me. This one's easy because stock up is, uh, it doesn't have to say, you know, you're going to be top five or 10. It's just about going up. And well, the Washington passing attack has nowhere to go, but up because it was 32nd in DVOA last Ooh. year. The difference between um, 32nd and 31 was bigger than the difference between 31 and 23, uh, just for point of reference on how bad the offense was. Uh, Some of that was Dwayne Haskins. Some of that was Alex Smith. None of it was Taylor Heineke, who was incredible in the playoffs. Uh, But Dwayne Haskins, by the way, ranked worst in the NFL in completion percentage over expectation because he was getting gimmies and missing him. so in comes Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was fifth in QBR last year, eighth in yards per attempt. Would the wheels have come off the bus at some point? Probably if he had played more, but that doesn't matter because we're talking about improvement and he is absolutely <laughs> going to be an improvement, um, as is the this group of skill players, Terry McLaurin, fabulous. Uh, now with the addition of Curtis Samuel, I think McLaurin gets to – be the true number one X receiver that he is destined to be. Um, and, and Samuel can work underneath the way he did in Carolina. And they also drafted Diami Brown, uh, who's a very fun, deep threat out of UNC. Um, they actually have Adam Humphreys on this team, which I did not realize until I looked at their death chart, but that's interesting. <laughs> um, I actually kind of like Logan Thomas, their tight end. I think he's, kind of good um the one doubt I have about this team is I'm a little bit dubious about the offensive line particularly the tackle position is a question mark I know they brought in Charles Leno um you know everyone thought they would draft um an offensive tackle early on they took Jamie Davis linebacker instead but other than that I think they'll be fine I also think Ryan Patrick is used to playing with bad offensive lines boom yeah, the line the line is a bit of a concern, but you get Scherf back. Um, they drafted who was it, Sam Cosme in the second round. Yeah, he's probably the favorite to start at right tackle. Um, but I just love. I'm with you, Fit, Fitzpatrick, as like the point guard with seven or eight options to throw to. We both love Antonio Gibson. We both kind of quietly are fans of uh, Young Turner, Scott Turner. Calling the plays like well, it last let's year was put, a tough let's year, put it this way. I, he did not deserve any blame for what we saw last year. No, when you watched it, I thought they made sense. I thought they maxed out what they could do. And I think it started a little bit with the Shanahan Falcons, but the, to me, the, the clearest path 
to offensive success right now is having six or seven guys to throw to. Like you can't just yep. have two or three unless you have Russell Wilson and like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But you know, not there aren't many there aren't any t- teams with that sort of trio. Like if unless you have that, you need to have six or seven guys you can throw to. And you just listed off so many. Like and you didn't lift yeah. off like Cam Sims who made decent made in the playoffs. Oh. Kelvin Harmon who actually made some plays in 2019. He's coming off a torn ACL. I don't even know if he makes his team. But that's He's the point. It's like you Golden. don't have to know. Gigantic right? man. You, Sorry, they don't have to know that. Like going into camp, where these guys are all going to slip. Like Phil, like if Adam Humphreys had signed with this team last year, we would be talking about him as like a major signing. So who knows? Sure. He might help them too. And right. Gibson, I there are only about five or six running backs I'd rather have than Gibson, Ooh. if that. Yeah, I thought he would be good. I didn't think he would be as good running between the tackles as he was. Um, really cool player. Um, I don't know if you saw the story of the offseason that Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, was working on his releases with Doug Baldwin. That, you know, put a little pep in my step. That got the got the old blood flowing. Um, pulled up some Doug Baldwin release highlights. And, yeah, I'm all in on the Washington offense. So, very exciting. Okay, stock down. You want me to throw one out? Yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah, stock yeah, down yeah, yeah. Panthers offensive line. I mean, this is um, why you come to the Mina Kimes <laughs> show featuring Lenny. Because who else is talking about the Panthers offensive line? It's like, what have we? What have I not <sighs> talked about this offseason? What hasn't gotten a lot of attention? The pan, This Panthers offense, I, I think on paper, took a step back. Uh, I'm going to ignore quarterback. We've talked enough about Teddy. But I don't think... Um, <laughs> you know, anyone can say with certainty that Sam Darnold like is a sure thing. So what you want is for his situation to be really um, advantageous. And yeah, you get Christian McCaffrey back healthy, uh, but you're a little thinner at receiver without Curtis Samuel. They're number three now behind Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore is, is Terrace Marshall. It's like, okay, uh, a deep threat rookie on the outside. Those those guys we always like slot in are going to be great. Like you have to find out and see, uh, but I'm talking about the offensive line specifically where right now, Cam Irving, you know, was quoted Tuesday that he is expecting to be the surefire starter at left tackle. That's a problem. Um, Pat Elfline is slated to be one of their starters at guard. That's a problem. Uh, Matt Paradis, who has not played well since coming over on a big free agent contract would have been released if he didn't take a pay cut. That's a problem. Uh, and they're, probably hoping to start Brady Christensen, who was a third round pick. There was like this little behind the scenes, like, you know, these like draft confidential, but it's produced by the team. So obviously yes. everything in it is, is safe enough, but they're interesting. You can get some interesting <laughs> things out of it. And Matt rule, they showed him while Christensen was still on the board being like, he, we see him as a second round guard in a third round tackle. So that indicates he'll probably be starting at guard, but I don't know, man, can't cam Irving protecting, Sam Darnold, I, I I would put this in the bottom five offensive lines in the league, and that that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, that's it's not great. I mean, this guy. <laughs> oh no, I wanted to. I, I, I'm actually just laughing at who who noticed that in the Panthers offseason videos. This Colonel, I, I I'd like to know first where you got that piece of knowledge before I proceed. I think. It was Sam Monson tweeted it out. I can't say I was grinding the Cam Confidential tape, but uh, I remembered a Sam Monson tweet and went and checked for it. Um, mm. Yeah, that was who did it. Yeah, it, it's not a great situation. I mean, Sam has obviously not played in great situations himself. Although I, you could say going from Mackay Becton to Cam Irving is, uh, 
actually a downgrade for him at this point. Um, yeah. But uh, aside well, from good George Fant to t- Taylor Moten on the other side, Taylor Moten, I well, yeah, mentioned, that, is a great say, right tackle. Ta- yeah, Taylor Moten is the, the, is very good um, and is really the only part of that offensive line. That's been really good. Is there anything you think that the, Panthers could have done differently. I didn't have a ton of cap space this offseason. They had a weird offseason, though. Like the signings on the line were weird. I mean, there weren't a a weird pick. Yeah, Horn was a weird pick. There weren't a ton of awesome free agents. I don't know if they were linked to any of like the left tackle or the any of the like stud offensive linemen, but I don't think they had the money necessarily to pursue like a Joe Tooney type or anything like that. So. Um, I will say, very disrespectful, not to mention David Moore, Seahawks legend, is one of the weapons. Jet sweep, nightmare, truly. Adeline. Viable. Number, number he probably three. will be their third receiver. I would he trust should. David Moore. He's I good. probably would trust David Moore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. he has like a really high percentage. He's like a, a very poor man's Brandon Lloyd. Like every third catch he has is incredible. The thing that bums me out, <laughs> it's so true, that bums me out about this for um, Darnold in particular is, um, you know, we know Sam Darnold can occasionally turn chicken shit into chicken salad, right? Every now and then, like all of his highlights on the Jets were like crazy, you know, and what what where he struggled and where one would hope... <laughs> Playing for Joe Brady um, would help him would be, okay, well, you know, when he is protected, can he run an NFL offense, you know, in structure, right? And get the ball out quickly. He's going to have to get out quickly. But um, in a clean pocket, can he play well? And I'm not sure there's going to be that many clean pockets because Sam Darnold, as you've, I think, correctly laid out, protected not very well on the field and not at all off the field, uh, judging by his vaccine mm. comments. So um, that's a good stock down. <laughs> I'm going to go stock down. This is, again, a relative thing. Rand's defense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. I'm not a sellout. So how, how it turns for the Ramley <laughs> family member. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's the Ramley, yeah. Um, it's the well, it's not like fam, you can't do that because then it's just Ram, so yeah, it's really, but anyways, um, at, the, at this point, you've heard a thousand times, right, about um, the safety John Johnson, <laughs> uh, football player, football player gone, but I, I kind of want to mention a few other things, you know, Troy Hill, who was their nickel, was also quite good, frankly, uh, especially in his last year, obviously, had the benefit of playing with some very other good players in that secondary, but I was just kind of looking at the depth chart. They kept Darius Williams on the tag, uh, restricted tag, but after him and Ramsey, it's question marks across the board. I mean, ostensibly you got Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp playing safety who I think have kind of similar skill sets, frankly. So I feel like the absence of John Johnson, who also was their defensive play caller, who, where the mic, that's going to be an issue. Um, I think so. David Long, they drafted out of Michigan, I believe, is going to have to step up and be a starter. I don't know if they're going to have him in the slot or whatever, if they're going to move anyone around, but that's a player who hasn't gotten a ton of starting time. Um, you know, so I think that would be an issue. And then 
still think linebacker is a question mark. Still don't really know for sure who's rushing the passer opposite Leonard Floyd, who they gave a ton of money. Um, they've got, they drafted Terrell Lewis. Uh, and so he's in his second year now. And then there's a bunch of other candidates, I guess. But, um, you know, losing Samson Ebicam, again, not a star or anything, but that opens some holes in this defense. Michael Brockers is gone. They banished him to the north along with Jared Goff. Um, so you're going to need more out of Sebastian Joseph Day. It's basically just a lot of lower draft picks, like all the guys I just mentioned, are who are going to be asked to produce. Right, which is kind of the natural outcome of their draft strategy. And, they, and they've done a great job yeah. managing that for, to this point. But I think it really relies on coaching and development. And I, I think they have done a good job, like getting these cheap guys or low drafted guys and getting them to be solid enough starters. But they, they also lost so many coaches. I mean, they oh, yes. not only did they lose Brandon Staley, but they, they lose um, who, who in uh, Aubrey Pleasant, their defensive backs coach. So he was the one coaching up that secondary for a while. He went to Detroit. Um, the Packers defensive coordinator, you know, they probably didn't want to keep him or they could have made him defensive coordinator. Um, but he's not there. And so you have Raheem Morris and it's a, it's a lot of turnover and a lot of positions after you get past like the two best defensive players in the league, which is a, a big cat, you know, a big, uh, caveat to throw in there after you get past those two and Floyd, it's a lot of positions where you're hoping to be league average, where you're not thinking like yeah. you're going to have a lot of plus starters, yeah. which is a, a crazy way to kind of run a team, but it, it's worked for them. It has. And I should mention like Taylor Rapp. So he was hurt last season, but in his rookie year, he flashed Jordan Fuller. And they, they loved, right. The safety. He was he great. Like six round draft pick or something crazy. So, you know, this, this team has a, a, a history of, of striking, striking, hitting, hitting on um, uh, these lower defensive draft picks. But again, all of a sudden you're looking at the defense instead of like one or two, you're like looking at five guys that need to contribute. So, right. And they were so good late last year that it so defense good. is, is harder to repeat. You know, it's just one of those truisms. That's true. Like it's a cliche at this point, but it's true. Defense, like good. De- it's harder to repeat good defenses. Um, it's a cliche but, in but, our circles. I don't think it's a naturally. May, uh, maybe. But I feel like I've been saying it so long, like people should accept it. Like offense <laughs> is just much more reliable. It's hard to stay that good at defense. So regression is natural. But I do love um, there's so much faith in the Rams development system. I went to the minicamp Um Last week, the Rams like op- they opened the stadium, and I went to that, and I saw someone with a David Long jersey. Maybe it was a family member. Was it I like, was a, like wow, a, that's a, a different David Long? Because there's um, multiple David Longs in the NFL. I mean, it was a 22, and it said Long, and I did check, and that was his jersey. <laughs> okay. And I was like, wow, someone's someone's counting on David Long. I do want to give a shout-out, though, to Sebastian Joseph Day, um, the one player uh, who went out of his way. My son got to go on the field, and he, like, ran to mm. go high-five my son, which is a very memorable moment. And Robert yeah. Woods took a picture with him, my son's favorite. Oh, he's your favorite player? Amazing. Wow, that's uh, Walker's Walker's favorite player. They asked him like, "Who's your favorite player?" And it was Robert Woods, and they like delivered him. It was kind of amazing. Well, that maybe your son should be in this football hipster conversation because I feel like Robert Woods is one of the the ten players who football guys love to talk about. Um, 
Yeah, I, like, I, I want to be clear. I still think the Rams' defense is going to be very good. Like, they ranked, I think I had them five or something. Very, very high in my defensive rankings. I'm just, you know, trying to stir the pot a little bit. I'm... I don't I don't get the, the whole, like, Rams are the number two, um, you know over under win total in the in the nfc and i saw this like espn thing where they were a bunch like you they asked a bunch of your colleagues to predict who makes the super bowl and somehow the rams got picked more than the bucks which that really is crazy (laughs) it was like right after the draft it was just like one of these quick things and i'm like i really i like the rams going into last year i i had them as a playoff team and to me it's like i have them about as the same type of team this year like i yes stafford like that's a little bit of a bump but you figure the defensive regression kind of evens it out and they're maybe around to me they're around the same as where they were last year i don't see i don't i don't get them as some huge favorite yeah i think it's one of those things where if the defense takes two steps back can the offense take three steps forward i think we'll get a pretty clear idea of that early it's it there's, you know, these types of rosters with a lot of stars are fragile. So we'll see what happens. I still think they're a very good team. All right. Stock up. You go first. Final one. I think it's my last one. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, the Dolphins. And I'm going to say my faith in the Dolphins process. Because here's what's happened the last two offseasons. I've looked at their rosters. Okay. And, and I've looked at their offseason moves. And I've kind of been like, huh. You know, like Jerome uh, using this offseason's move to be to be more current, like Jerome Baker gets a massive contract, but Van Noy gets cut. It's like, huh, Um, moving around with those picks and then taking Waddle and you've got Fuller uh, and Devontae Parker. It's like, okay, huh. And their offensive line is probably starting four first or, or either rookies or second year players, including three second years players and it's like huh and you're like just look around this whole roster and Tua and everything and I'm and I'm you're I'm just a little confused you called them divisive but in each of the last two seasons they've been so much better than the sum of their parts each time like mm-hmm. I think Brian Flores could have gotten coach of the year like top five in in my coach of the year voting both seasons mm-hmm. you know they so so at some point I'm like starting to trust in like this Chris Greer um and Brian Flores vision. So maybe I don't totally understand it, but I, I am actually having faith that it's going to come to be- together better than it, than it totally looks on paper. Were you unnerved about making this call for stock up by the revelation today that Tua threw five interceptions at Dolphins practice? I took it personally. I did. Um, I said, like, it, why didn't you wait till Wednesday? In buckets to, uh... of rain. In buckets of rain. Right. There was, yeah, it was a lot. I, I am, a, I do follow the rule that I don't take any evaluations from OTAs mm. minicamps. I've made so many mistakes over the years. I truly think none of it is meaningful. That it's just teaching and coach, and and then the camp training camp is what matters. But I was a little, I was a little annoyed by Tua. I wish. Well, as someone who's on a daily NFL show, how dare you? Uh, but yeah, no, I think I was reminded of the 20, infamous 2019 Jimmy G five interception practice. Who could forget? I remember exactly where I was when that came across my phone. It was texted to me by multiple group texts. Of course, none of who, none of non-professional group texts, fellow Seahawks fans, Danny Kelly and I, Laughed and laughed and laughed. And then Jim, Jimmy G went on to have, you know, his best season um, before 
you know, screwing up in Super Bowl. But that's a whole. Right, where where yeah. are you on this team? Because I like that there's no <laughs> consensus. There's too much consensus in football Twitter. So I like a team like the Dolphins that people uh, are like. Oh, I I um doing the lame caveat thing where I'm like, all right, I, I'll I will decide within a few weeks based on how Tua looks. I think this team lives and dies with him um, making the leap. And he doesn't have to make the leap to be great. He just needs to be, I would say, above average. Um, I think I, 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 the fact that they – so I was against the Waddle – not against, but I, with the Waddle pick, I thought the Dolphins should have gotten more crap than Cincinnati for passing on Panay Sewell, um, even though I'm yep. contractually not allowed to talk about Dolphins' offensive line because Dolphins' Twitter gets too mad at me. The contract is one I've made with myself, but I have kind of come around on it because I think like a lot of, I thought about this a lot while watching Mac Jones to his struggles were part of the adjustment from Alabama open to NFL open. And I thought about that while watching Mac Jones, because I kept saying to myself, holy shit, these guys are open. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It happened with Tua. And I think, having two guys like Fuller and Waddle who just stretch the field so much and can be horizontally and vertically, I think is going to really help him be more aggressive, which is his big problem last year. So I'm optimistic cautiously. I like the skill players. I'm a little nervous about the offensive line. Right. That out. I mean, they drafted uh, Eichenberg in the second round, and so they probably thought they could get a second round tackle that, and he's yeah. probably going to start at right tackle over. My, Gojo likes him. He's a Notre Dame guy, and Gojo thinks he's good, solid. Tua, Tua needs to do the Eli Manning, Alex Smith leap. Um, who two mm. number one overall draft picks who I think are very similar in in some ways, especially Alex Smith to Tua in that like their prob their margins are smaller. They're gonna win mentally. That's really hard to do. They're gonna win pre-snap. That's really hard to do as a rookie. We're total fiascos as rookies. I mean two of the worst rookie quarterbacks of all time. And it, each of them in their second season improved immediately to like okay to average to like the, the, to, to the 18th quarterback in the league. And that's what Tua I hope does. Alex Smith is a really good comp too because I think both are very athletic in ways that uh, maybe they don't get as much credit for as they deserve. And that was something that really jumped out to me watching Tua at times last year. First, I was worried about, I was like, ah, he's taking off, oh, it. And then I was like, whoa, this is a weapon. Like, this dude can scoot, you know? I mean, he's not, you know, that Kyler Murray out there, but he, he can run. And I think that's something that the Dolphins co-offensive coordinators, that's a stock down for me. I don't get that. But that's something they can use to their advantage as well. All right, final, stock up. I thought this one was a little surprising. So, well, maybe not surprising, but stack up on the Bills defense. So mm. weeks one through eight last year, 21st in EPA per play, defensive EPA per play, nine through 17th, shot up to fifth. This is a defense, some of that is scheduled, but this is a defense that got just better and better as the weeks went on. And it passed the eye test as well. Um, you know, because especially in the first half of the season, they actually were rushing the passer okay. The ageless Jerry Hughes continues to get after it. But um, they really struggled in run defense. The linebacker was a disaster. They had injuries. Matt Milano was hurt. Um, yeah, I think he also could go into that group of uh, NFL guys that NFL people uh, talk a lot about. But anyways, um, and I think... We sh you should do a show on that. that I know. That would be a I'm fun... Given, uh, given my content. Show. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways... Um, they the the there were two parts of the defense that they needed to address this offseason 
edge rusher and cornerback. They addressed one of them <laughs> drafting uh, two edge rushers, Gregory Rousseau uh, out of Miami, Carlos, a.k.a. Boogie Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. I think if even one of them hits or A.J. Epinesa takes a step forward, um, you got a really deep group. With, of course, Jerry Hughes still there. Mario Addison, who's not been great, but has been decent, is still there. I know that they haven't been thrilled with at Oliver from a consistency standpoint. But nevertheless, that is like just waves of players they can throw at the pass rush. I think this secondary, um, I, I mentioned cornerbacks, the question mark, because you know they've got two very good safeties, Mike Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavis White's obviously great. I it's thin, but I still think Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson, it's a decent group. Not great opposite Trey White. And I will add, Rich Sherman's still out there. So is um, the Steelers mm. guy, uh, Steven Nelson. So uh, the Bills are a team I would look to potentially be active uh, on that front. But I like this group. I was surprised you threw them out there. I, I don't want to like go hard arguing now. No, let's do it. Um, I, no, I did it with the Steelers. I think that was more just like just the NFL. I was I'm a little wary of the you NFL. You said they group could win eleven games. They could. I mean, they could. How no, 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 you I, watch you, the NFL? You totally. You, they totally could. They the totally NFL could. is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy unpredictable. It's always more unpredictable. They totally uh, could. Than you can possibly. Steelers fans, anticipate. don't yell at me. They totally could. The defense is gonna be good. On paper, I don't. I don't totally see it for the Bills' defense. The biggest thing they have going for them, of course, is is their history and Sean McDermott that even in a season like last season where they don't start off very well, he figured they figure it out by the end of the year. They're very, I think that I now would put them in the category of the Ravens that, and like the Patriots, which is they'll, they will be a different de- defense at by the time you get to Thanksgiving in December than they were early in the year because the coaching is good. And because of the continuity and because the players are smart and they get those sort of players and, and that should work. I do think the the most important factor for them is like their recent first round picks, though, getting better. Like Ed Oliver hasn't done much for them. Tremaine Edmonds is incredibly inconsistent and was targeted. Yeah, he in got the better. Yeah, until the playoffs. Yeah. He did, but he was. Oh uh, I it, it's been a little bit of an underrated. Um, not just the Chiefs, though. I would say throughout their playoff run, he was struggling. And so did Tredavious White, which I know I know he was a little banged up. And it was three games, and you don't want to go too crazy. I'm not worried about Tredavious White. But he, if it was like a different position, it's it's funny how like cornerbacks or offensive linemen, it's like, yeah, I don't know. People just say like, oh, he's a good player, but he just had three bad games. But if a wide receiver or a quarterback had three terrible games like that in a row in the playoffs, like people would be talking about it. I don't know. I don't I know which part, is the right like approach, I, I, but, I, but uh, yeah, I think part of this is that I just can't quit at Oliver. <laughs> I loved him so much <laughs> as a prospect. Uh, I also like he might still do it. Sometimes defensive tackles improve late, like Tremaine Edmonds. They've they've they seem to really believe in him. Um, it's just been up up and down. So yeah, and Epinesa too. Like if those guys can play better, then they're then this defense is lights out. That would be kind of the next. Where level. do you think this? Bills defense ranked in pass rush win rate last year. You had to guess. Well, the fact you're asking, you know, makes me think like I would have guessed in, you know, below average for sure. Um, But the fact that you're asking, I'm now going to say 11th. Second. It's not an infallible stat. It's not an infallible stat behind Pittsburgh and ahead of of Washington. Yeah. Um, This 
team. And well, actually, you know what? Let's see where they ranked in um, run stop win rate. That, okay. That's partly yes. coaching, though, too. That's that's getting guys in good matchups and and, and, I'm and like the like doing it year after year. Yeah. Okay, so run stop win rate. Now guess. I'm gonna have to guess that too. Twenty uh, second. Twenty third. <laughs> Oh, wow, that was pretty I good. Just, I just think this is a team that I feel like they're going to be better rushing. They're, well, apparently not better, but as good rushing the passer. And I think that having Milano full, for a full season um, will really help at linebacker. I think Ed Oliver is going to be better up the middle. I don't know. I'm, I'm just – I've alienated too many active NFL Twitter fan bases. Maybe I'm just trying to bend my way back to – ingratiating myself with Bill's mafia. They really are a mafia. I'm really afraid of them. Please just leave me alone. All right. As always, let's wrap with five questions for our guest. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question number one, what would you say is the percent likelihood that Aaron Rodgers is a Green Bay Packer week one and place? Wow. So we did get him into the show. Um, does that mean he's playing yeah. or just the green? Start, so, okay. I'm going to starting for the green Packers week one, week one, uh, not any at all. Week one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 59, 59. Really? But, but I, but I would go like 85 that he's on, on the roster or 90. But, so you think maybe there's a chance that, yeah, he's not traded is what you're saying. Or he yeah, sits, I think, sits out. You know, I bit. think that he would, yeah, that he's just, still holding out and that goes into the season is I would put a percentage of it on that, but I would still say more than likely, I think he'll be starting week one and that he'll get more money. I'm way higher uh, than you. I think it's going to be really high. Oh, really? I think, yeah, huh, that's, that's why I'm like so tired of this. Whole conversation. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, question two. A quote from Matt Nagy on, I believe the Chris Collinsworth show is called the PFF podcast uh, in flame football Twitter. It was, Sort of confusing. He, I, I don't want to take it out of context. Basically, he said, you know, a lot can happen between now and August. Andy Dalton is our starter, week one. And then he also went on the radio. Why is Matt Haggy doing this? And said, um, he, again, he didn't say it's, he said there's Justin can't win the job at training camp, which he, he's picking his words carefully, Greg. He's picking his words carefully. But you know, it's very different from Pete Carroll circa 2012. This is now canon when he said it's an open competition. Always mm-hmm. compete, baby. So let me ask you this. What is your panic level? Um, you, you can do the traditional yellow, orange, red for Bears fans hearing that. Um, yellow. I think it's just coach speak. I don't think it yeah, means anything. Me too. I'm, I'm a little worried about watching Andy Dalton on Sunday night football the first week of the season. It's like, <laughs> That's what, I think because they got the Rams. They got the Rams. The, the Rams defense. Come on, which schedule I, which, makers. Which I just tainted or tainted, slammed. Yeah. They are going to make me look very stupid in week one when they play the yeah. Bears. But I don't think what he said means anything. I, I really don't. I just, I, I think Fields will, you know, have to win the job and all that, but I don't think it means anything. Yeah. There's a small part of me that thinks they might throw Dalton to the Rams. Just, you know, a little fresh meat. That that makes some sense, too. But, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Question three. Uh, you are famous on this show for your book recommendations. 
You oh, wow. gave a book recommendation years ago that I actually got around to reading. I'm on book four of the Elena Ferrante series, the Neapolitan series. So, um, so can you give us another book recommendation? It's that time of year. Okay, I'm going to go with another sh very short series. Um, three really short books called the Copenhagen Trilogy by Tove Ditlinson. I know I'm going, this, this seems like deep, but it's actually, it's a relatively um, buzzy or, you know, like well-known book. It's a memoir of this Danish writer from the 70s. I know that sounds like a crazy thing to be reissued now and be like vaguely popular, um, but it is so good. It's so immersive. Like if it's about a total of 330 pages between the three books. And like, if you want to just like forget who you are and be transported into this world, she is an incredible writer. So I'm standing behind this one. Copenhagen Trilogy, Tove Ditlitsen. Another Boom. European lady writer. I love it. Um, I, do, great. I do love them. All right. Uh, question four. Um, I saw who said this. Bucci at ESPN. That I, so Cam Newton was giving quotes about Mac, and he just came off super well. Like he's gotten so good during media, in my opinion. And um, we're a long way from the uh, the, the route controversy of the great route controversy mm -hmm. of, of twenty fifteen. Was that? Anyways, it's just yep. funny. Um, and so uh, Butch Gross was saying that he thought Tam Cam would be great on television. And it had never occurred to me, but I thought, yeah, man, he actually, he'd be really good in, you know, like on, on like a studio show. So I wanted to ask you if you could pick any two NFL players to put on a studio show right now, oh, kind of like brand Marshall wow. style, who would you choose? Throw the, pretend uh, that I'm, I'm the third. So they're with me. It's on a, re, a new NFL show. Okay, I'm gonna go Philip. I'm because Philip Rivers still count. I'm taking no, him. I don't care. Doesn't count anymore. He's, I see. No. <laughs> I do want a hard knock style docu series on Philip Rivers coaching his kids. I don't know if you saw those clips of him uh, being a coach. In fact, <laughs> I would watch that instead of hard knocks. I'm being honest because it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be more entertaining. Um. God, Fitzpatrick is such a cheesy answer here. I'm I'm trying to think like who is really gonna come with it. I feel like you need one quarterback at least. Mm. I'm gonna go Fitzpatrick, and I feel like wide receivers are a good archetype archetype on on um, these TV shows. You know who's got a lot of personality? AJ Brown would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I yes. That's really I think come out this off season with the TikTok, the recruiting of yep. Leo and all he's it's like the way he talks. I would delight. just listen to him talk. It sounds like fun. I like how in all the um, picks advertising the Titans or like the, you know, Bleacher Report type infographics or ESPN type ones where it's like, you know, they're really scary. And it's like Julio Jones looking really tough and Derek Henry. And then AJ Brown always has this like goofy smile. Like he's really buff, obviously, but he's like, Hey, like next to them. It always makes me happy <laughs> seeing him. God, these Titans clips um, coming out of camp where they're obviously in shorts. If I showed up and was just saw that team in shorts, I'd leave. I would just walk away. It's really intimidating. They're, re they're really intimidating. But anyways, uh, that's a good pick. I like that. I like that combo. I, you know, I'm a Richard Sherman stand on that front. Oh, see that? That would be good. I, I feel like I, I could think of a better quarterback, but I'm not coming up with one. 
Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Um, Lenny wants to know if you will finally renounce Teddy Bridgewater when he inevitably wins six games and averages 6.2 yards per attempt this year. Like, who hurt you, Lenny? You know? Like, why don't you root for likable players? Why do you hate Broncos fans, Lenny? Mm -hmm. Lenny had Teddy in fantasy, and I think that explains it all. (laughs) 